You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Galatians chapter 6, just picking up right at verse 1. I'll read through to verse 5, where Paul's telling us this. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbors. For each one will have to bear his own load. So right off the bat, beginning in uh, chapter 6, there's a lot of social dynamics. All of a sudden, Paul's talking about the way that we relate to one another and how Christians are supposed to live in community, we could say, and uh, what this means and perhaps how we're going to run into different kinds of problems as we attempt to do this together. And Paul, you know, in his wisdom, foresees this, and so he explains some of the things that we should be doing as Christians, some of the ways that we should... um, take hold of the freedom that Christ has given us and, and how the, our freedom in Christ should change our behaviors from the way that we used to be uh, to the way that we are now as a people redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Um, so this all stems from what we just heard last week in chapter 5, doesn't it? Because uh, we heard about the, the fruit of the Spirit, which Paul explains. And before the fruit of the Spirit, for contrast, he talks about the work of the flesh, And the works of the flesh are a bunch of self-serving things that go completely against the kingdom of heaven. Uh, They're they're shocking to read as you go through that list. It's like, whoa, this is not good stuff. But that's because he's contrasting the the sin and death of the ways of the flesh, as he calls it, um, and how how completely opposite they are to the, the ways of living that are righteous and pleasing to God as we will be with his Holy Spirit in and among us. So we have the, the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit going against each other. The fruit of the Spirit, as I think Greg pointed out, are things which will uh, impact and change our relationships. They're out, things that can be expressed outwardly. Things which cause us to love one another more as we have the joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that God gives us supernaturally. So the life filled with the Holy Spirit looks like this, not like uh, the works of the flesh. And so as we go into chapter 6, I bring this up because basically what Paul's doing is saying, well, he's... And it does seem like he's kind of jumping around a little bit, which he is. But he's he's trying to help us understand how the the work of the Spirit is is truly spiritual, but it's also uh, very real and in fact tangible as we look at ourselves and our relationships with one another within the church community. So, what does it look like for us to be free as we relate to one another? The first thing that I want to note from chapter six is. Something which is confusing, or, or perhaps it seems like a bit of a contradiction, uh, just from the verses which, which I've read, um, particularly between uh, verse 2 and verses 4 and 5. 
Also, I guess what I should say is I'm not really going to be preaching on 6-1. Pastor Greg already gave a sermon at the end of March, I believe, on 6-1 and 2, which is the topic about, well, what do we do when a brother or sister is caught in sin or they're struggling with something? How do we restore them, as Paul says, in a spirit of gentleness? And this was a a challenging but super important message. Um, If you haven't heard it, it's on our podcast, and please listen to that if you have uh, the ability to. Anyway, so focusing on 6 verse 2 and 4 and 5 and what's going on with what's Paul's saying here. Are these things going against one another? Um, because we read in verse 2 that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is obviously a very important command. This sounds like a good thing to do, right? Uh, bear each other's burdens and, and fulfill the law of Christ. Sounds good. In fact, this is part of Paul's statement earlier in chapter 5, where he tells us to use our freedom to serve and love one another. 5.13-14, to 14, he said, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Not uh, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, um, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We heard this last week. So to this we can say a big amen. Yes, this sounds right to us as Christians. We we love one another. This is how Jesus has displayed love to us as he took our burdens and so we carry each other's burdens and and of course we want to fulfill the law of Christ as Paul says. So yeah, we're on board with this what we've read in chap, uh, in verse 2. We believe this is good. But if we're carefully reading as we went through the next verses, we should notice that in 6, 4, and 5, Paul appears to have changed his tone a little bit um, when he says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. So, okay, which is it? Are we to carry each other's burdens, or do we carry our own? Are we called to help others, or are we supposed to help ourselves? Unsurprisingly, the answer is yes. Uh, it's, it's like when my mom used to offer my grandpa dessert and she'd say, Dad, do you want to have some of the pie or some of the cake? And he would say yes. Like every time. And we always laughed because we knew that he was like, give me both. <laughs> that was what he meant when he said that. Um, that's what this reminds me of. I don't think that verse 2 and verse 5 are contradictory. They might be in tension with one another, uh, but they don't go against each other. So let's talk about this. The main reason is because there are two different words, two different words which Paul uses when he talks about carrying a burden and carrying a load. Um, In verse 2, the word refers to somebody who's struggling with a burden that is heavy, and super challenging and overwhelming and overbearing. We, we, you know, when we say, oh, it's like the weight of the world on my shoulders or something like that. This is what he's referring to. It's difficult to bear. So when we see somebody struggling with the weight of a problem or a circumstance or the, or sin, as he was saying, then we are absolutely called to extend love and generosity and compassion to these people. To one another. We should help one another as a way of being like Jesus. This is what verse 2 is all about. And I think this is the one that we perhaps find a little bit easier to, to grasp. 
But verse 5 is different. It speaks about each one bearing his own load. And the word in this context has more to do with the bearing of responsibility than it does with the overwhelming unbearable weight, which Paul referred to in verse 2. Um, and I want to talk about this because I think in life we easily confuse these two. The responsibilities that we have, that I believe are, are given to us by God, and then the things which are, are you know, too much for us to carry on our own. So the beginning of Galatians 6 is about the balance between mutual accountability and personal responsibility. And let's not confuse the two in life and in church. So for the first one, when I see someone or if someone talks to me about what they're going through, a a difficult, heavy burden for them, what is my reaction? How do I respond to that person? Am I compelled to to extend what I can and help them carry their burden? Or or, or am I just selfish and stingy because I don't want to be troubled with it? We have to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and change us and and provide us with the compassion of Jesus to help one another in their need. As well, if if we put ourselves in that place, if I'm feeling burdened by something with, with sin or conflict or a situation, whatever it may be, are we able to be truthful about the things that we're going through and the things that we need from one another in order to make that connection and, and, and have someone help us? Are we honest about where we're at? We need to be for this connection to happen, I believe. So yes, we, Christians, we use our freedom to help one another. We carry each other's burdens, and as Paul says, we fulfill the law of Christ as we practice this kind of uh, very practical love. Now jumping down to the second idea of carrying our own load. What about this one? And this is the one, obviously, when we read it, we may not feel as you know warm and fuzzy about because it's kind of a challenge, isn't it? For each one to carry their responsibilities in life that God's given us to see these things through faithfully. Like I said, I believe that God has blessed us with responsibilities, with resources, with relationships. And there are ways that we need to take responsibility and ownership of these things in order to serve God and serve each other. Otherwise, we're going to fall short. We're going to get caught up in, in self-pity or we'll, we'll think of the, the burden that we are uh, rightfully to carry and we look for ways to get out of it. We want to shift responsibility onto other people, our friends or family or whomever. And the reality is that we are truly supposed to own those responsibilities we've been given because they are opportunities to glorify God. They're opportunities to testify to other people about his faithfulness and what's going on in our lives as we move forward. So this is why Paul says that each should bear his own load. There are lots of examples of this, both practical ones, but also spiritual ones. So practically, of course, as a parent, my kids are always on my mind. So here's what I would think of. Um, A friend offers to uh, take our kids for like a few hours you know, so that we can do errands or whatever we need to get done. And, and so that person is, is reaching out, especially if it's like a stressful time or, or something like that. If that person offers that to me, that's a way that they are helping, you know, ease 
the, the burden that I have in that particular moment of, of caring for my children, and I'm free to do something else for a little while and whatever. But when the play date's over and my kids come back to our house, they're still actually my responsibility, aren't they? In fact, they were all along. And so that's more of the second one, where being a parent to my kids is my responsibility, and it's not a thing which I should... Um, look at with contempt or that I should try to get out of or shift onto other people or whatever. So this is sort of a, a practical approach, but what about spiritually? We do this um, all too often, I think, where uh, we look at our own lives and perhaps the state of our soul or our relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but right off the bat, I'm looking for excuses for why that responsibility of the relationship between me and God may be suffering, right? And I'll, I'll think about other people who perhaps could have, could have helped me or, or if, if, if something was only different or I had more of this or less of that or whatever, then maybe I would feel like praying more or I'd be in the word more or, or whatever. But if I'm aware of what I'm doing in that thought process, you can see how I'm not bearing my own load and, and owning it. And taking responsibility for that relationship between me and God. So to summarize this conversation, yes, we absolutely extend and receive help for burdens that are difficult and and heavy and overwhelming. But we also recognize that each of us does have our own burden to carry and that we're responsible for As Paul says in Romans 14, each person will, in the end, have to give their own account for their actions before the Lord. Um, It's it's between us and God, isn't it? This is a reality that we should be aware of. What are you called to carry? How can you be faithful in, in, in bearing that weight moving forward? So as we've been talking about this, I've been skipping over verses 3 and 4, and I think 3 and 4 is kind of what this discussion we've been having hinges on. Um, 6, 3, and 4. But if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor So this is often where we become disillusioned with our burdens, our responsibilities. And what Paul's talking about, I believe, is the temptation to compare ourselves to one another and be prideful. There's a temptation to compare ourselves to one another and be self-centered or prideful. So Paul's teaching us that God wants us to stay focused on the things in front of us, and, and not be distracted or discouraged by the, the work or situation of our neighbor. This truly is a trap that our enemy has laid for us, isn't it? Where, where we're, we take our eyes off God and we start looking to other people for approval or validation. We continually use other people to either feel better about ourselves or feel worse about ourselves. But it's the same either way. We're looking to other people for for what God should be speaking into our lives instead. We compare ourselves. When we let other people measure success for us instead of God, it leads us to all sorts of problems. 
And I think that in general, that, you know, as a society, we're just plagued by this, aren't we? And it's not always conscious. I know for myself, I don't, you know, ever say out loud, oh, I'm comparing myself to that person, so I'm sad. Um, or, you know, I feel better about myself because of this comparison. But uh, it's subconscious, you know, wh- whether it's um, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. It's always about comparing and competing or in real life. It's not only social media users, it's all of us. You know, we look around us and see what other people have or don't have. And we use that as a measuring stick for success. This is a problem. We need to stop doing this. And the result often is detrimental to us. We get depressed. We, we, we turn into some kind of perfectionists or we're insecure or we're narcissistic or whatever. And it's just a mess. This is not what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be working in us. Jesus has set us free from these thoughts and behaviors. So let me remind you, we're not saved by any human approval. Whoever it is, a person's stamp of approval or lack thereof is not what's going to save you or redeem you or give you life. We are only saved by the love of God. We're saved by God's complete approval in what Jesus has done on our behalf. This is the good news and what we need to constantly be filling our heads with instead of the opposite. Um, In a couple of other letters, Paul talks about this a lot, actually. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, we've become righteous. This is the truth. Then in 1 Corinthians, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So in Jesus, we've got it all. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And if we're thinking that Paul is, you know, when he says, focus on your own work so that you're not boasting in your neighbors but yourself, he's not telling us to boast in a prideful way. In fact, Later in Galatians, he is going to say, far be it that I boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. And again here, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the next time you find yourself either feeling good about yourself or bad about yourself based on a comparison to someone else, remind yourself of these passages Your value is not set by any comparative measure. You're not on a scale which is tipped or or slid one way or the other based on the people around you or, or whatever. You're treasured by God based on the eternal and immeasurable worth of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. God's freed us from the urge to measure up in this world.
We're loved by God. We are righteous in his eyes. And these are things that we can and indeed should uh, boast in as Christians. This is important. And when we're confident in this, when we truly believe the truth that God loves us, just the, the basic, you know, Jesus loves me, and we're actually able to love people instead of viewing them as, as a threat, as competition, or whatever, you know, in terms of the, the rat race. When we know that we're loved by God, then we can actually love people as the Holy Spirit moves us to, instead of feeling that everyone is either um, better or worse or are competing against us or making us insecure. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says this, verses 9 to 18, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. This is all just, this is a list of, of what should be happening as we live out the spirit-filled life in community. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil and cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal, but be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs and pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what's honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's Romans 12, 9 to 18. This is what it looks like to be free and live it out together in God's kingdom. But if we go back to the, the idea of you know, comparison and measuring up, if we're stuck in that, and worrying about how we measure up against others, then none of these things are going to pan out that we just read from from Romans 12, are they? None of that's going to happen. Love without hypocrisy is just the first thing right off the bat. We can't do that if we're prideful. What about honoring each other? Outdo one another in honor. We can't do that if we're worried about how we compare to each other. We certainly cannot rejoice. He says rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That's not going to work if we're in competition with our brothers and sisters, is it? Empowered by his spirit, we have access to a better way, to God's perspective on things. We're able to live and work freely, to embrace freedom, And as we do this, we'll find that we're also able to find unity with other believers, with one another, right? And to, and for the world to love the lost in a way that's true and it's full of hope. We'll be able to believe with confidence what we read in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where it says, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So this is what it comes down to. God's grace, it's, God's grace is completely sufficient to empower us all as we gather into his presence through the blood of his son, Jesus. We're free to uh, set aside and get away from, from the, the worldly standards of measurement and comparison and competition and success. There's no need for us to boast with pride as we compare and compete with one another for arbitrary things. Rather, we can, as we said at the start, actually bear one another burdens with love, selflessly. We can encourage each other with the responsibilities that that we've individually been given by God. Let's pray. God, I just want to come to you and pray about the things that we've been talking about. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see ourselves and others in the correct way? Help us to perhaps unlearn the the worldly and, and sinful, broken uh, um, systems that we all are more than aware of, God, as we live in this world. And instead, would we fill our minds with what you've given us in your word and, and think about that and, and see the ways that it would be real for us, God, to be free, that it would be um, tangible for us to to be living with your spirit inside of us and guiding us and, and changing us into the people that you've made us to be, God. We need to get over the pride that we're all susceptible to, Lord. Help us do this. Would your grace lead us into a, a deeper understanding of your love for us all? I ask, God, that you would make us compassionate for one another, Lord, that we could uh, gladly bear the burdens of one another as we are open and loving in this way. And on that note, God, I ask especially for those here this morning who have come with truly heavy burdens, God, things that that they are struggling with or are feeling challenged by or or confused with. Uh, Lord, you've given us uh, this time and place to lay ourselves down at the cross and, and to give up whatever we've carried in here, Lord, at your feet. And as we do this, I thank you that you are more than able to take these things from us and to make our burden light by the name of Jesus, by your grace. God, as we carry forward with our responsibilities, as you've called us to, would you just continue to encourage and strengthen us, Lord, to live and work well for your glory? Remind us to look to you when we feel weak and to be filled with your power instead of our own. God, as I pray these things and as we've met this morning here, I thank you for meeting us. God, that you're full of grace and love to to cover all of these things we've talked about and more. Lord, whatever you may be stirring in our hearts as, as we hear these words that we've been sharing, 
Thank you for teaching us and guiding us. God, you're so good to us, and we love you. We pray all of this in the the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.